episode we are? <laughs> uh, what is this podcast called again? What is what is an art fight? What do these guys think they are? Yeah, uh, art gonna, fight is preposterous. I'm gonna look this up here because I'm I'm curious myself. Like, what what is yeah. this podcast? What is it about? Um, what episode is it? Are you asking Google what episode is it? Oh, well, first I'm. It's it's season four episode. Season four episode five. Season five? Yeah, we're in oh, season five. five. Yeah. <laughs> season five episode nine. Um, That's my guess. You think? No, that was Rocky. So this is season five, episode 10. Oh, wow. That's pretty close, though, because I didn't really have any sense of what the number really was. I was just stabbing in the dark. <laughs> it's pretty good. We're coming up on the, oh, you know, we're, we're almost to the end of season five, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been an interesting one. We've had some different types of characters. It's been pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, let's get it going. Uh, so welcome to the Art Five Podcast. Uh, this is season five, episode episode ten. Yeah, and so that means two more after this. We're in. Uh, welcome, David. Thank uh, you. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for letting me take the time to uh, put my car away before the impending doom hailstorm arrives. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna stay on my Twitter while we're doing this and see if this is gonna be a bad. Yeah, for anybody that's not in Nashville, you have to understand that uh, weather is kind of um, weather uh, is Twitter. <laughs> weather is <laughs> a very dynamic concern and uh, worry uh, in the summertime, especially because crazy stuff happens really fast. And you're kind of, on one hand, if you're from the South, are you from the South, David? Yeah. I grew we're, up we're, in uh, Springfield, Tennessee. Okay, yeah. So you're, maybe Joe, you're not quite like this because you're a, a Yankee or whatever, but um, are you a Midwesterner? What are you? I consider myself to be a Midwesterner. When yeah. people say, I, when I think of the Rust Belt when I think of the Midwest. Yeah. As a Rust Belt Midwesterner. Well, <laughs> being from, being, some people think like Nebraska is the Midwest. I feel like so that's a different from, Midwest. Yeah, you're, you're somewhere between uh, a Canadian and a deep Southerner. Yeah, that's that's what I yeah like that's pretty much that sums up Detroit. Yeah, it's like the the mean or the average. It really is because I mean there's so much migration from the south to you know to Detroit and then like there in the 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 rise of the auto industry. It's like there there really is a lot of southern vibe in in the city, but then there's also a lot of like descendants of fur trappers. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, what I was getting, what, what I was going to sort of get at was basically to say you can tell who's an actual southerner or who's not by what their response is when there is a tornado warning. You got to get in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> no, technically that's what you're supposed to do. But in reality, what do we do? We go outside <laughs> yeah. and we look around. Tornado. Yeah. Where? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I did that. I did that the other day. Actually, I was hearing some thunder, and I uh, immediately like went to the front door and opened up the door. And uh, we, I was explaining to a friend of mine earlier that um, we live in like an upstairs apartment, so there's like a steel, you know, uh, stairway stairway thingy, like a fire escape thing. I mean, it just goes up the back of the house. That's how you get to the top, the upper apartment, uh, in the back. Of the but house. it's not covered or anything. No, it's not yeah. covered or anything. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a fire escape. But, uh, um, uh, um, but. Uh, I was like, like opening up the door to see what was going on because there was like a lot of lightning and thunder, but there wasn't any rain, so it was a little bit weird. And um, uh, and then uh, my wife immediately freaked out. She's like, "Get away from that metal staircase!" Uh. <laughs> She's like, "You're gonna, you're gonna just like out hanging out the door like a lightning rod." Science. <laughs> Apparently, uh, 
nine out of ten people that get struck by lightning live. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can cause a lot of problems though if you, once you survive it. Uh, like because you're because you're like fried. Um, <laughs> it, it mixes you up a bit. You yeah, know? and like, you get do you get burned? Is it like um, a, actually like a burning? Yeah, there's you can actually get scarred. Like uh -huh. there's a certain mark that lightning makes when it it's basically like bursting your capillaries. Uh -huh. It also and, leaves uh, you with a white streak of hair. Yeah. <laughs> Very sexy. But, um, yeah, I saw... So it kind of, like, boils your blood and, like, makes it explode. Yeah. And a lot of people complain about, you know... <laughs> people complain about uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a traumatic experience, of course. So people mm. have, like, PTSD. Mm. And, but they complain about other things. And um, there's a lot of people that, like, search out doctors that have expertise and... Lightning strike. Lightning strike, and there's not really any out there. So wow. It's kind of a community, it seems like. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're sort of like a, a chosen people. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That could be a podcast niche. It could be. <laughs> I would imagine if you were one of the doctors that you would find yourself uh, sort of in between... I studied for this and did I really need to study for this? Because uh -huh. half these people actually haven't been struck by lightning. They just believe that they have. Oh, whoa. Mm. I would imagine there's a lot of people that just think that they right. have. Right. They've been abducted by aliens <laughs> and yeah. they, but they think they got struck by lightning. They just want the story. <laughs> there, there's like a middle ground, I guess, too, of like you can be directly struck or it can bounce off something or <laughs> another thing. And it's different. No, actually, yeah. a lot of it comes, uh, I think, actually, the, I, I think I can say this with some certainty uh, based on uh, me being a person on the internet. Uh, I think that the majority, slight majority of lightning strikes is actually coming through the ground. The, mm -hmm. There's both, for sure. That is, so then you're like, okay, that... I didn't even have. Like, I can't even see this shit. Yeah. <laughs> How am I supposed to know? But I did see like one crazy thing where I forget where it was. Maybe in Africa somewhere there was a uh, soccer game, like a professional soccer game of some kind, where lightning struck the field, mm. and it was coming up through the field or whatever, and like the whole team got struck. Oh my god. Yeah. Like everybody just went down. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. There's like you know television footage of it you can find or whatever. Whoa. And I wonder too, I wonder if there's any difference between say like a high voltage accident, right? Mm -hmm. um, and a lightning strike. Like, is a lightning more, is it a specific kind of attack on your body compared to a similar amount of voltage just going through your body? You know what I mean? I, I think uh, the difference is the duration. I think when lightning strikes, it's very quick. Mm -hmm. But if you get like... If you touch a downed power line, it's like a few seconds. Of, uh -huh. You're stuck to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it's uh, far worse. I like it. David, how are, you, how are you feeling so far? That That's we, why we, you survive. We, That's we, why you <laughs> survive the nine out of 10 times is because you're getting zapped yeah. really bad, but it's, but it's a little, it's a fast zap. <laughs> right, right. David, yeah. David's like, I'd really like to talk about these books I'm making. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know shit about lightning. No, I'm David, like, why are you guys looking at me? We're here with David, the lightning guy. <laughs> David's the lightning guy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean no, that's fascinating, man. Right, I, and who knows like what we actually really are talking about? But I might, I, I could have just died a minute ago. With the I just saved then, Brian's yeah. life a minute ago. Could've, yeah, could've. I might have saved his life. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a uh, once. You, well, in the same way that having lightning be traumatic to you, uh, which makes sense, right? You're gonna not be. You're gonna be a little nervous 
during thunderstorms, I would imagine after surviving yeah, that, sure. I, I like many, like you and others have had um, my car destroyed by hail. <laughs> and so <laughs> if I can avoid that, uh, that's what I'm going to do. So that's why we uh, did that little mad dash right before we started taping because uh, I, my, my car cannot be replaced very easily or at all. We had to take it to the, to the new studio. Why don't we, why don't we go ahead and just talk uh, about that? Well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, this will be the last podcast in this particular environs, which, you know, it's been fine. It's been great. Um, uh, you know, uh, I don't, we don't really have full domain over the space. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that there's been some people that listen a lot that are like, oh yeah, I remember that time that somebody just walked in on you or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, things happen around here. Also the train is very loud and some other things. We're not looking for a perfect audio environment, but just in general, I'm moving my operation to a place where it can be a little bit more locked down and controlled. <laughs> uh, so while it's been great to be here, we'll be a half a mile down the road uh, next time. And nobody that's listening to this really cares, but we just wanted to mention it. Uh, it'll sound basically the same. and It means a lot to us that this is our last podcast in this spot. That's been, been a very, we've made so much progress in this spot. Yeah, and we are going to fucking trash this place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right after this episode. No, uh, Again, so it's we don't all, have any beers. Yeah, so do you, do you have a space that you, you work out of, David? Or yeah, you, yeah, at home. Yeah. yeah. Is it dedicated space, or are you just kind of in the mix of your, or, or are you one of those people where like your whole house has been taken over. Uh, in the midst of making a book, uh, the whole house sometimes uh, is part of it, but I do have a dedicated space now in the basement. And yeah, feels good to have that yeah. sectioned off and it's meant for one thing. Um, yeah. And then you work with a lot of various... So maybe we can kind of just get into extended play, right? And kind of what's going on with all that. Um, but... Essentially, you are sort of you're sort of curating these uh, these unique art art books that are uh, printed and, and ideated and printed and manufactured in small numbers in ways that are all very unique. It's not like you're just making art books that then just get printed. Mm -hmm. it, it really like everything about the process, everything about mm -hmm. who. You know, so basically, everybody that's involved with it is very important to the entirety of what you're trying to build or make, and that can take various forms and then i guess in some cases the books themselves can be uh sort of companion pieces to other maybe larger art things they might have a film or some other media or something that kind of associates to it or maybe it was born from like a lot of times there's it's not just everything's an island unto itself um the the uh the jody or did i say jody that's right jody hayes yeah jody hayes yeah. Because uh, I have a friend Jody Haynes as well, <laughs> and so it's very confusing. And they both do the J O D I. Is it? Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, that book, uh, which is called Keeper. Keeper. Um, I I I, bu I bought that one and and was so impressed with. It's one of these things to hear somebody talk about all this. So I kind of just wanted to set the stage a little bit by just letting everybody know that. Uh, these are what you're about to sort of maybe delve into more in the things that really both of you guys are kind of doing and you running, but uh, David, but it's, these things are so beautiful and so thoughtful and so well-made and for the, in terms of like when you're spending money to buy art, you know, a lot of people consider it to be prohibitive or, uh, you know, people don't really have a collector's mindset. They just want some cool shit or, or whatever. I really think that what this does is it fits into a nice 
uh, space where it's very approachable, very haveable, very experiential, very tangible and shareable. Um, it sounds it sounds stupid, but it's kind of like uh, uh, a reminder of like how great books are. <laughs> um, whereas yeah. some you know maybe that's something that we need or or, or something you know because uh, anything you get now as Amazon has taken over the world with like whatever books are publishing it happens in that way, you kind of just forget there's a whole uh, uh, sort of progression that that is being missed of creation in that medium. So mm. uh, anyway, I just, I, I found it really, really valuable and really um, just so impressive. And like I said, so doable. It, was, it didn't feel like, like, a lot of times when you're buying art, you feel like it's a risk or something, or I don't know, this thing's kind of expensive, and I don't know what people are think what their hesitations are, but these things are just very achievable, and maybe it's a risk in the sense that you don't know everything about it, but ultimately, it's something you can explore and re-explore and have and share, and it's just a, a beautiful thing. Like I, I was Thank so you. impressed, and it was, I, I forget what I paid for it, but it was somewhere like 20 or 30 bucks or something. Mm. And I was like, geez, like this feels like it cost <laughs> so much more to make. And maybe that's something you can tell us about is how much actually it costs <laughs> one, that much more to make. Uh, but anyway, but I just kind of wanted to set the stage that way just to say that th these books are really special. Well, thanks so much. Um, yeah, working, working with Jody on that book uh, felt like the right time uh, for me. I just had made um, two books before that one. And um, I bought a new machine that was printed with a risograph. Um, her originals were watercolors, and it translated like beautifully through that process. And um, um, yeah, she was at the time making this body of work. She's she's usually um, she's known for making abstract paintings and with some figuration in there. But this was um, after the election she started paying attention to her neighborhood going on walks and um uh making almost uh narrative uh abstract narrative sort of scenes that seemed to like they were telling a story but um yeah they were all done in red um open-ended and um she uh we kind of worked together on the selection of the images, but she she uh, left it up to me about how it uh, was formatted and um, the printing process and everything. She completely trusted me on that, and I, I was really grateful. But, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so we, you, 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 what was the technical term you used for the type of printing process? Uh, risograph. So what is that? Um, it's something that um, it's it's been it's a printing process that probably relates most to like the ditto machine. I don't know if you guys had a ditto machine in uh, in school. Mm -hmm. Like teachers used to make copies on those instead of yeah. Is that a mimeograph? Yeah, it's like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I was a little kid. They had yeah. Those. But uh, this is kind of like the grown up version of that and uh is it like a crank roller kind of tabletop thing it looks more like a copier and oh, okay. um but it's whenever you send an image i've got it connected to a computer when you send an image to it it um, burns it onto a uh, almost like a silk screen that huh. wraps around a 
uh, a drum cover, covered in ink and then the paper like flies through it and attaches to the drum uh-huh. um, and transfers the ink through that stencil. Yeah. So it's kind of like also um, a lot like silk screening. Yeah. But it's um, pretty inexpensive. A lot of people have been, um, I kind of got into it after it become like pretty popular with uh, hipsters and stuff. Yeah. But, well, but it looks great and it looks, yeah. it well, it seems like something that is like the artifacts that that machine seems or that process seems to create feels like something that would be hard to do if you were using very high-end printers to replicate mm -hmm. there's some sort of whatever the whatever the lack of quality aspects of it mm -hmm. the lack of perfection quality or whatever the high resness to it mm -hmm. it still has that but it's just got this it's sort of like I guess the way I could best explain it to somebody would be to say it's the difference between film photography and digital mm -hmm. photography. There's just something mm -hmm. more natural yeah, about it, but it's still, it's equally as precise, but to some it might seem not as precise, but it's actually richer and has more depth mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. I think um, you're picking up on how the technology like filters through the image. Um, like there's, there's like a warmth and tactility to it mm -hmm. um, yeah, that you don't see with like a bubble jet printer. Mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, there's yeah. like something about that texture. And that's, that's one of the things I was going to say uh, when, you know, we were just sort of getting into like what it is that you do. Um, I feel like just like, you know, music becomes like disembodied in the digital age. And then all of a sudden we discover that uh, not everybody likes it that way to the point where now like vinyl LPs have made a massive comeback and like the, you know, one of the most, you know, sort of already gone away technologies is like back better than ever. Right. Mm -hmm. And also too, it's like, you also find people issuing vinyl records that are like, you know, they're double albums and there's like extra inserts and there's all this whole experiential thing to like touch and move with and play with and switch around and whatever else. And I think that to some degree with printing, like we've seen the same thing going on where it's like, okay, the books have also gone digital to a large degree, but mm -hmm. for the people who love books and want to hold that book in their hands, people have realized that it's like, well, move hard back in that direction to the point where when you get a book that you've made, it's mm -hmm. like, this is a book with like five different kinds of paper, some of which you've hand dyed, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and it's all put together in this way. And there's this thing you pull out of it and it's got this printing on it. That's like unique and tactile, like we were just talking about and all this stuff. And then it's like, by the time it's over, it's like, it's, it's so much, it's, it really is a, a, a thing that is very, very bookness. You know what I mean? Going on with, with the objects you're making and in terms of, the, the experience of having something in your hands that's mm -hmm. got all this uh, touchability and, and uh, you know, experiential thing happening because it is a physical object. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do you feel like that's that, that, that the, just like with vinyl, do you feel like the, the independent, like small run publishing world that you're in is a lot of it fueled by that? Do you think? Um, I think, I think there's definitely definitely um, a connection um, with uh, wanting to be nostalgic or mm. wanting to um, take a step back from 
social media or whatever mm. and have like a real analog experience. <laughs> but I think, you know, with the book format, um, it's already set up to be this like super intimate thing. You got something laid in your lap and it's just you and it. And um, I think that lends itself to um, having those warm tones to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, plus but, you can look at things off axis or half folded, not folded, but sort of cropped views of pages as you're kind of thumbing through and you see these really, you have like, there's a dimensional sort of uh, mm -hmm. way of viewing something. You have various types of light. Yeah, you know, like it. It's it's so crazy to think. It's true. It's like I hate to sound like I'm fetishizing something that is just so obvious or whatever, but it, it, we are in this time where it's fucking weird. Like uh, I just had a conversation with uh, a very uh, young, much younger person uh, just a couple of hours ago um, when I was getting some coffee, and the uh, very nice young lady who uh, helps me with coffee, she said. I asked her what's going on with her, and she said, "She said, um, uh, you know, my she was talking about how her sleep pattern's kind of thrown off lately, and that she's been staying up until about four in the morning every night for the last couple of weeks. That is, and this problem of her sleep schedule's only been exacerbated by the fact that uh, there's this weird shit going on with her neighbors next door, where she says, <laughs> she okay, she says, um, I've been staying up later than usual every night for the last week, and." I've, I'm now I'm stalking this person trying to figure out what they're do what they're doing next door because they pull up in the driveway every night at about four in the morning and they have their flashers on and they just pull up to the house and they're only there for about five seconds and then they just leave and this has been happening four nights in a row now I told she's she says I told my friends about this we decided that we would make it like a stakeout slumber party kind of thing four of her friends, they all stay up until four in the morning to see if yet again, this car pulls up into the neighbor's driveway and then leaves. And sure enough, it does. And they're like taking phones out and taking pictures like, holy shit, like this has, is happening like clockwork. And I looked at her and I said, you realize that's the person delivering newspapers to your neighbor, right? <laughs> is that really what it was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, this is incredible he's back it's like clockwork every single morning late night more early morning this guy's here with his flashers on why does he have his flashers on right this whole thing oh, i couldn't fucking believe it so that that but what struck me as more than just being a, i just thought holy shit that is how disconnected mm -hmm. from even just daily newspaper type of print media mm -hmm. and those the That's, that is fascinating it was not even a thought in her brain. She was like, I don't know if this person's some kind of, if there's drug deals going on. Yeah. I, I hope my neighbor's okay. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. This is weird. <laughs> Your neighbor's just well informed. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and then she was like, and then for a while, uh, the person didn't come. And I was like, well, it's either because they went out of town and they turned, they asked to stop delivery on their paper while they were gone, yeah. or they don't get the weekend paper. She's right. like, oh. <laughs> you cannot get it on the weekends. Yeah, but I was just, she's maybe 19 or something, but uh -huh. I was. She just has no experience of that. Well, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this is how 
disconnected from the most basic forms of print media uh-huh. that people are now. And the conclusion would not be, maybe they're getting a newspaper. It's maybe there's something what about tr- ma- true crime related going on right next door. <laughs> what about <laughs> ma- what about magazines at the grocery store? To me, that's sort of like the 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 last stand. The last stand. No pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> the last stand. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the um, you know what I mean, like tabloids at the grocery store. Like, will those ever go away? I think they'll just be screens, like with like royals and shit on them. It is true. <laughs> it is, isn't that sad that that really is like from an evolutionary standpoint, like still the, probably the strongest print media that exists. The most, the most uh, gossip in terms of periodicals or whatever. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Wow, um, but yeah, so like. Uh, you probably aren't even thinking about any of this stuff because you're just making what you love and doing what you want to do. And you're, you're not mired in, well, you're not a preservationist of this form, right? It's not, it's, it's still happening. It's never really died. Mm-hmm. It's just getting weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I am sensitive to like how books have been sort of like fetishized and stuff. I don't think, um, there's like a future of that medium just through um, fetish fetishization. Yeah, but, um, I think that's really interesting. That like um, uh, the stories you brought up with the magazine and newspaper, like um, there's still something reflected in it that's telling us about ourselves. That uh, I don't know. As long as there's that, I think there's a future for the <laughs> medium. Yeah. What's sad is that all the only things that we're talking about in terms of identifying National Enquirer, essentially, or whatever those things are called. What are they called? Tabloids? Tabloids, yeah. The tabloids and or the newspaper, all fake news. Fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, well, what was I going to say? I hate that term so much. What, fake news? Yeah. <laughs> um. Was gonna say. I hate it as oh, much as the word epic. I think it's like with the, um, with, uh, you see, you know, speaking of magazines, I feel like, you know, to some degree, we see more of that as well, where you've got like magazines that didn't, you know, they basically maybe at one point or another they had like a regular printing schedule, like a monthly printing schedule or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and now the plan is no, 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 daily content online and then quarterly we print like a deluxe magazine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we print four fucking magazines and that's it. And the, and they're almost like meant to be like, you know, like you collect these, you know what I mean? And you, right. you keep them, you try to get them all, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that's, you know, or like, I think that the, um, to some degree, uh, the art journal number out of university of Memphis sort of wants to try to see them, see themselves more in that light of like the print version has to be, you know, uh, something special because it's a print version. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, as, uh, as opposed to just like, you know, oh, we're just doing this thing regularly. Cause it's, cause that's what magazines do. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I don't know. It just seems, I, I think I like the idea. I like the idea of, uh, of, you know, treating it like it's a like it's a a special thing beyond but without to the point of fetishization i suppose mm-hmm. like it can go too far but um uh but i think I, it just it it i think i've enjoyed like some of the the renaissance that i've seen with projects like yours where you've seen you know people 
putting together these like really cool books, you know, and it's like, you know, uh, very, it's, it's also frankly for an artist, it's, it's a, uh, it's a cool product to have, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, somebody, you know, you can't sell the expensive prints of your work maybe, but a, a book that collects your work in a cool way can be a more affordable thing for somebody to buy. Like Brian was talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, I think, I mean, without selling them short, but they, they do sort of function like business cards, but they also serve as like, I, f I, I would like them to serve as like a, a way for an artist to have like a traveling exhibition. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's this contained space where a bot and the body of their work is, is reflected and they can, um, and books travel way differently than, mm -hmm. um, than, uh, hashtags on Instagram or whatever. Um, so that's been interesting. Sorry, did I? No, that was good. <laughs> okay. So, so keep all that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing too is like, you know, uh, a lot the books are wide, they vary a lot, you know, in terms of what they're focused on or who they're coming from or what they're mm -hmm. about, like, because they're coming from different people. Uh, with different outlooks and visions and sort of the modalities are different. Um, you know, one will, you know, like you have, on one hand you have a cookbook, mm -hmm. but on another hand you have like this kind of, um, uh, there's the, uh, the Etch-A-Sketch kind of layout. Oh, yeah, I love that book. That's uh, a cool you know, book. Uh, so there's things that are, and then there's stuff that's just kind of out there, right? Like, mm -hmm. so some have, a container or some framework that is relatable immediately for people to understand what you're identifying with and then where you're, how far you're straying from what that conventionally would be like a cookbook mm. or, or whatever by design or function. And then the same thing with like the Etch-A-Sketch, which is sort of taking one form of uh, replication and putting it inside another form of replica replication and then freezing it. And then, <laughs> you know, iterating it out, but people can understand what people know there's some basic platform for which they can start to relate to what's mm -hmm. going on. And then some of this shit gets just totally far out, uh, which is awesome. I love all that too. So I guess what, if I had a question about it, it would just be like, do you find, I mean, I hate to sort of think about it in terms of like success equals sales. Cause that's very reductive and kind of bullshit. But at the same time, you, these you, it costs money and time to do this stuff and you're charging money for these things because you should because these things are worthy of it's art right you, get, mm -hmm. you know uh what for lack of a better term do you feel like is uh resonating more with the marketplace as it were or <laughs> selling better and i don't mean that to say that 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 means that something's actually better but i do find it like from a from a point of sort of a b testing or, or from a kind of a marketing background that mm -hmm. i have i'm always curious about like you take this kind of approach you take this kind of approach you take this kind of approach and feel free to like go way deep into all those different avenues but you are going to get feedback from those and yeah. then mm -hmm. if you get feedback from one that's particularly pronounced it probably wouldn't be entirely stupid to double down on whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that is. So I guess I'm just curious if you've yeah. run into any of that, like by, uh, I'm not saying by like particular artists, like, well, this guy's stuff does really well. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that. What I'm saying is like some, you know, like again with the platform or the framework, some being relatable, perhaps mm -hmm. some being more out there. What can you tell us uh, that you've learned about what's working from a market standpoint or a consumption standpoint? Right. Um, First of all, I guess uh, 
I don't want to break anybody's heart, but there's no money in books. Oh. <laughs> You're not going to get rich off a book. Womp, womp. But, um, you know, uh, I've... The markets, like, locally is pretty... Um, I don't know. How do I approach this? Don't, I mean, it's an don't interesting be a, question. No need but. to be diplomatic, right? <laughs> Like, f- fuck everybody and everything. Who cares? Um, the like, also locally, like don't don't <laughs> don't. Want okay, maybe I, I can see the darkness swirling in your head. So maybe just like dial it halfway back. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, locally, it's it's uh, it's lukewarm. But um, when we when we've gone to book fairs and stuff, um, we 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 see we get a lot of great feedback um i seem to function really good if i have like direct to artists or direct to the person buying feedback about what i'm doing um so far it hasn't been about the money but it would be really nice mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but um do you ever have what? things where you 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 i know that you're working obviously directly with artists to sort of help put these visions into mm-hmm. play but i guess i'm curious about do you ever look at it like okay i'm gonna partner with x organization or mm-hmm. x other entity and an artist to make something to sort of help amplify or expound upon whatever this some other vision that i don't know without being too particular i don't want to start getting into like dude, you know what you should do with the shit that I don't know what I'm talking about. I guess I just feel like there's sometimes there's power in sort of that kind of triangulation by entering like one other entity into it where it's like now I'm sort of the press and, and sort of the the person on this side. And then there's an artist. And then now we're, we're focusing our beam on something that's not the artist or mm -hmm. the press. Yeah. Um, are you talking about getting another party involved, like yeah. either institution or grant? Or yeah, I suppose that, or even like a strictly almost commercial type of thing, but mm-hmm. like somebody that gives you the freedom to to get weird or whatever. I mean, like a sponsor of some kind. I guess I mean just. Uh, I should probably come up with something more specific. I, <laughs> I, I feel like, like say there's just a business. Um, I don't know. Like say that there's a a marketing agency company that wants to be able to have. Not a no, not. I know you kind of mentioned business card, and ultimately, mm. oh my god, that's the most reductive thing compared to the quality and what these books are. But mm. I get what you're saying. They're calling like a calling card and so mm. a way, a way for to leave something tangible, a leave behind in some mm-hmm. way or whatever. Um, but like, say that there was an agency where it's like, hey, we do all this kind of different stuff, but we would really like to have something that like here's our ethos and kind of here's what we're about and here's kind of what we do best and here's what we're concerned about from a cause standpoint or here's our purpose. And this is what we're about. Look at all of our work. Look at all the stuff we do. And then you guys just go have at it. Make whatever the hell you feel like. And then bring something back that is in the form of a book that then I can buy from you. And perhaps it's brand uh, generic enough, right? Where it's not about like, and X company does this. And, like, it's not that. It's just something that's kind of in the spirit of. So it works as an independent work of art as well as something that somebody could use effectively for their marketing, perhaps mm-hmm. even just with the, maybe an alternative press that has just like one cover page or like some mm-hmm. other little sticker on it or something mm-hmm. that's kind of like, oh yeah, this is our shit. But ultimately it would be something that an artist or anybody from a standalone perspective would be really proud of. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like it's some branded bullshit. 
Hmm. Uh, have you like? Does that make any sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just like recently been asked to to uh, do something like that with with an institution, and uh, oh, here it comes. Oh, here comes the weather. Oh, you're right. Yeah. But um, I uh, <laughs> uh, I was asked to do that, and it, it seemed to be the key to like making sense of it money wise yeah um, and like as long as the freedom of being able to do what you feel like the project needs to have done yeah let it be as weird as it wants to be like, yeah that's i'm all, absolutely all about that um because a lot of times when, when, a, when a, especially when a brand or a business or some any entity is willing the, the quality and the inspiration that you get back if you just say i trust you and your vision I just want you to interpret this however you want and just bring it back to me. I'm not going to audit you or have any requirements upon you. It's amazing what kind of stuff can happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so if that can be something that also like yeah, symbiotic and actually funds or supports some of these things, I think that's, I guess, yeah. Cause I, I, I can see how doing stuff for individual artists in that medium is a, is a, is a longer walk, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for, for turning these things around. Um, but at the same time, who the fuck cares? Because you're just making great things. <laughs> you know, like, like there's a lot of stuff that it's just about. Uh, I can think of a million examples of, you know, people that are, are like, oh, how did, you know. Even Joe Rogan was talking about his podcast recently, and he was just saying, people were like, how do I get my podcast to be successful? And he's like, well, I did it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. and I didn't make anything or have any opportunities come from it for six of those, the first six years. Mm -hmm. I just did it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's something to be said too for just being authentic to yourself and what you feel good about making and not grasping mm -hmm. at straws too quickly either. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just like make what you want to make. Uh, but, I do, I, I, but I do find it interesting. Anybody that's making anything that is kind of exhausting to make, right? It's not, how easy is it, right? How much? Is, how long does it take to make one book? It's probably a really long process. I mean, you guys. Are, so you guys are working on something right now, right? Yeah. And at the end so of the day, me, like, anybody, much, anybody who doesn't understand what's going on here, I mean, this is David is essentially hand making these books. Like they don't they yeah. don't go somewhere else for somebody else to put them together and print them. Like he makes them. Yeah. <laughs> and how many? Like on like on Jody's book, we were talking about how many did you make for that? I think we made. Uh, Boy, it's coming down. Look at this. Around 125. 125. That's a mm -hmm. lot. Is that the most you run for an for a, uh, a press? I uh, did one late last year. It was eight hundred oh. or something. Oh. Who was that? Uh, it was actually through Jody, uh -huh. um, um, Katie. Uh, she had a, a book of, of poems that she wrote after she was. Diagnosed oh yeah, Katie with, Bowser. Yeah, 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 yeah. Katie Bowser. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Diagnosed with a breast cancer. Yeah. yeah. Do you know her? I do. Yeah. But I haven't talked to her in probably fifteen years or something. Yeah. Wow. But she's she's in remission now. Wow. But yeah, it was, it was just a very raw and harrowing mm -hmm. uh, set of uh, huh. poems. And uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, see, you've done like Brian was saying earlier. I mean, you've done a huge variety of, of books and. Uh, it's how how do you how do you like that? I mean, do do you are you the kind of person who gets like inspired by the fact that like on one you know at some point Katie's like I want to 
I want to put these poems into a book. And then the next thing you know, Benji's like, hey, man, check out these edges sketches that I made. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like uh, changing the scenery, I guess. Uh-huh. Do you do them train. different? Like, can you work on multiple ones concurrently? Or does it kind of you stay mm-hmm. focused on one and see it through? Uh, yeah, I usually have several at a time going because um, might be waiting on an artist to say something about whatever I'm waiting on a on a uh, a sample to come in or whatever so yeah I usually have like three or four going at once but uh, yeah. wow it is yeah, it's really porn. this is a perfect uh, sort of <laughs> good day to be podcasting the, the the next studio will not have a steel roof are you going to be worried about the uh, the is there going to is there any chance that this is going to flood again I won't be here to know. Okay, that'll be a few hours from now when it floods. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was fun too, because this is a shared space in the sense that there's people downstairs that do things, and when it flooded, uh, early this so, spring, yeah, early this spring, it just so happened that everybody else from this whole space was out of town. Yeah, so that was my problem. Shit. <laughs> uh, you guys keep rolling. I'm gonna go check on something real quick. Where were they? they were in L.A. I think, weren't they? Um, uh, I think uh, what let, let's talk a little bit about like what are you, are you working on something right now? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about yeah. it a little bit? Um, working on book with uh, second book with Marlos Ivan. Oh right, yeah, this is the cookbook, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tell tell us a little bit about that. Um, so far, well, um, we've we've done several photo shoots already for it. Um, got a couple more to go. And uh, he was able to secure a grant through uh, Metro Arts uh, mm-hmm. for this book. It's uh, it's going to be a community-oriented uh, cookbook, and uh, yeah, I'm just really I I like working with Marlos because I find uh, his way of being in the world and his art inspiring and gives me a lot of ideas. Um, and he's just a really great collaborator. Mm-hmm. And people who uh, might be curious and want to find out even more about David and Marlos, we, we interviewed Marlos, I guess it's earlier this season, I think it is. It's, it's, it's several uh, podcasts ago, we, we had Marlos come in and talk, and he talked a lot about the book project you had done previously. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so you know, people can find out more about what he's doing there. And I'm, I'm interested in that cookbook project because like... Uh, He's always making jokes about food and stuff. He's always talking about uh, going to McDonald's. (laughs) And McDonald's, like, shows up in his artwork a lot, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think uh, that should be a really cool project. Um, When when will that book actually be out? Is there a time? I know with the grants, a lot of times there's a window Mm -hmm. when the work's got to be completed. Uh, I imagine it'll probably be out in uh, August or September. Oh, good. Just in time for the feasting season. (laughs) (laughs) harvest yes that's right the harvest feast (laughs) that's perfect um yeah it's like uh this time of year is a good time for uh um david and i were meeting earlier about some things that we're working on and we were talking about how uh how uh uh maybe uh it would be fun to be a farmer (laughs) and uh i was saying how i like uh, this time of year it's really weird it's weird that like this time of year is like when all the best food is available in terms of like fresh vegetables and fresh everything you know Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also like so hot out if you live in the South that it's like just you don't want to cook or eat really. You're kind of like 
it's 110 degrees. Like this forget is our it. Hibernation. You know? time. Yeah. And then then in the winter when there's no good food around because everything's dead, uh, all of a sudden you got all the time in the world and you just want to turn on your oven. <laughs> well, yeah, I just, got, I, I just got back. We just got back from New Orleans, and, it, and this, the shooting schedule that I was on basically was like sunrise and sunset. But like when we went to first go scout out this uh, place that we were filming, it was the middle of the day, and it was kind of, it was like holy shit, man! It was so fucking hot. Uh-huh. In ten minutes, we were already like pulling stuff out of the cooler and getting cooling towels, and, and it was just like oh my god. If I, but our entire life's biorhythms changed in New Orleans like this, being there for just like three or four days because we were, we would get up in the morning, do stuff until about ten thirty or eleven. It was already getting way too hot. Come back, like eat, take a nap, slow roll mm-hmm. out to go shoot again, like at five until eight or nine o'clock. It was, so we couldn't figure out what day it was anymore because we kept feeling like we had like two days per yeah, day. Yeah, it was yeah, a really yeah. interesting thing, but you have to, like you have to you have to split things up, man, because yeah. there just gets to be that point. And it's not even right now; it's only June. Yeah, it was it was still spring technically yeah, yeah. when you were down there. Yeah, so it's it's um, but it was it was an experience of a lifetime. What about the food? Tell me about the food, Brian. Holy shit, man! <laughs> I just I love I love New Orleans so much. Have you spent any time there, David? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What do you think about it? Uh, pretty fun. I was drunk most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to fit in. But it, it's... Uh, it's and in Rome. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, we did all the, the po' boys and gumbo and all this stuff. And uh. it was just like, man, just everything's just richer and better. I, I really... I, I, I was telling my wife, you know, about how you know many years several years before we got together there was a point where i was either going to go to new orleans from nashville right or to new york city i ended up going to new york but in 2007 uh but i was really considering moving to new orleans because i just loved it and i but i i thought one of the things that helped me make the decision between which place i was going to go is i was really actually thinking about the logistics of moving to new orleans and i was thinking okay, I'm going to move to a city that's just been ravaged by a hurricane um, and that is primarily below sea level. And I was thinking about like my pre- any kind of precious objects that I have, you know, like whatever bullshit I have, record collection or just whatever. And I really actually, it occurred to me, I was like, well, I'm still very interested in moving to New Orleans, but if I do go, I'm not taking really any of my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not going to set up a life there and feel like it's made of any kind of permanence. Uh, because and I, I was like, okay, well, that's a different thing. I mean, New York, you have to be compact, and it's a different set of considerations. But it's, I just realized, like, maybe if if that's the stuff that's entering your mind, perhaps you shouldn't necessarily move there. <laughs> yeah. But man, I just I love it, and every time I'm there, I, w- I really do wish that I, I live there because it's just so rich and mm-hmm. so real. And it is sort of like halfway to its apocalypse. I mean, just by science alone. I mean, it's. Uh, like I was just seeing this thing the other day they're talking about how it's actually the whole city's settling down at a rate that's faster than what they thought it's settling uh, you know like more than an inch or something per year oh my god and so uh, by that because the it's like a squeegee or something right like that that, that moist soil is just getting compressed and it's pushing everything right and then 
and then since they have the levee system there, the, the rivers can't do their natural process of sort of sediment uh-huh. distribution and sort of uh, ebb and recede kind of yeah. uh, thing that keeps stuff kind of level. Mm. So really, our intervention into that whole natural environment there is exacerbating this uh, contrast between the ground there and what's happening outside of the levees. All of that put together, it's like, this is just not... It, it can't last. Mm. And I hate, you know, it can't. And like, even when the, they realized the, the Corps of Engineers, they looked at it and they said, okay, the levee systems failed in Katrina because they were only built for a category three hurricane. And that was obviously a category five hurricane. So it topped the levees and all these things happened. So then when they were going back and rebuilding the levees, they built them to a category three standard. And the reason why is because the, it would cost basically twice as much and be kind of a building like a great wall. Like it would cost, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars to really build whatever it would be needing to be done to uh-huh. make it foolproof for a category five. And I just thought like they're really somebody on like a line item spreadsheet is just kind of looking at it and being like, I don't know, human lives and culture and all this versus the realities of nature and what inevitably mm-hmm. is going to happen. Mm. Like, we'll, we'll put it back the way it was. Yeah, but... It's uh, not going to be able to do more. Yeah, which is sort <laughs> of... It's really sad, but like, I, I don't really know how to feel about it because... I don't know. Like, I have, I have a weird... I, I kind of get pissed off. Not about... Let's just separate it from New Orleans. Like, I kind of get pissed off in Florida, right? Hurricane comes in. All these rich people's houses get knocked out. Here comes FEMA, to, you know, and they have all these insurance claims and they rebuild these houses that are you know, 60 feet from the ocean. Yeah, yeah, Like, at what point do we just kind of go, oh, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, no, it's weird. It's, yeah, I mean, I think that most environmental concern, you know, like, whatever, anybody who's interested in keeping the environment intact (laughs) would say that we need to disincentivize, like, like, shorefront building and things like that. And that's, and there's something to be said about the fact that it's like, New Orleans is a city that, you know, probably shouldn't be there you know what i mean but it is there so now what do you do you know it's it there's a lot of fascinating stuff they've done in like amsterdam in terms of the way that they that they keep the water redistributed so that it doesn't so that that place doesn't sink too you know what i mean i wonder how much of that has gotten to new orleans if if any you know what i mean yeah so which what's it gonna be the the storm surge or uh you know now i'm just everybody's minds are on uh like the the fashionable consideration now is to be rethinking uh, uh, radiation in Chernobyl and like everybody's on the Chernobyl thing now. Chernobyl, and I saw you tweeting about it. Well, oh my god! Well, I just got pissed off because I really want to see Chernobyl, but then I saw the trailer and the main actor said nuclear, <laughs> and I was like, "Fucking a nuclear radiation!" Can we just? Nuclear. Yeah, I was like, this is nearly as much of a tragic oversight as what caused this whole problem. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> but that shit is crazy. But ultimately, what it comes down to is like humans are ridiculous. Like we're just trying to. What are we doing? Like everybody, calm down. Stop trying to be. Uh, that's my whole thing about environmentalism. Like uh, everybody, just be. I'm fine if you're for the environment, but can you just be honest? What you're really about which is yourself keeping the earth at a nice cool 70 degrees. The earth doesn't care if it's 300 degrees. You know what I mean? The earth is, the earth is going to solve any problem that we present it with other than perhaps the, yeah. the Chernobyl situation. But even over time, millions and trillions of years, uh, that, that'll go away, I guess, or whatever. But 
I'm just I just get annoyed that like it really is just the human imposition complex. Uh, let's just be honest; it's really about us, and we're trying to figure let's out what's optimal a new movement, for us. We'll say, keep Earth comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Keep it comfy, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my dark, my dark view right now. But, uh, but yeah, the Chernobyl thing is so crazy. It's so crazy that there's there's so many things that have happened in the last fifty years that you're like that really happened in the last. Like, and that was in my lifetime, our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you even go back to something like the Holocaust, right? And you go, okay, that really like, wasn't that long ago. These things. I like the fact that there's like packs of wolves and boar and shit there now. Like radiator, radiation wolves. The stuff of like some sci-fi novel. Yeah. So some, you would think a lot of superheroes are coming out of there now, right? Doesn't, isn't that what it takes mm-hmm. for superheroes to get made? Yeah, and Godzilla's too. Yeah. Maybe yeah. those maybe those wolves are sort of Godzilla, but I don't know. So, but you you said you grew up in in Tennessee. Have you always been in? Tennessee? You said you grew yeah. up in Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd like to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever lived out, outside of Tennessee though? Uh, no, I I I went to school at uh, UT Knoxville. Yep. So been in Tennessee. Nice. They know about some bombs over there too, man. They do. They know about some nuclear bombs. <laughs> oh, they got the body farm. That too, yeah. I haven't seen that. You haven't been to the body farm? No. I heard about it. I don't think you can go there. But <laughs> I don't think you but can't I know. just go there, David. Right. <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty crazy. if you two, could... two for the body farm? <laughs> <laughs> you know about this whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. I mean, it's, just, it's stuff that's got to get known. It, help, it gives yeah. them a lot of information that they, that's very helpful. They have a whole warehouse of corpses in Knoxville where they do forensic studies. And they call it the body farm. Well, they leave decomposing bodies out in fields to see how they... And then they measure all the bugs and the things. And then I guess the only thing they do... To then you know that it's like, this is what a body is like after nine months and yeah. the weather in West Tennessee. Yeah. And they have, uh, and they have certain bodies where they, uh, they'll put cages over them, kind of chicken wire sort of cages to keep the larger critters mm-hmm. from coming and uh, disturbing the remains. But they have others where they don't do that. Mm. And because they want to get a sense of how, like, what it looks like when things are pulled apart, and like how the how the bodies will actually sort of turn, uh-huh. like like so when they're looking at a crime scene, they have to they're trying to figure out like where everything was yeah. and, and all of that. So this that, is where the bear bit it and turned it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Or whatever we found, we put trackers in the fucking body and we found this arm three miles away. Yeah, this is a fun conversation. <laughs> hey, would, would you donate your body to anything? I feel like weird. I don't know what I want to do with my body. I feel weirdly superstitious about my body. Yeah. <laughs> like I got to make the right choice. Like, but I also feel weirdly like, I also kind of feel like, no, just burn it up. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a weird thing about cremation where I just, and I know that it's not very uh, founded thinking, but I have this weird thing about cremation where it's like, what just on the very minute chance <laughs> yeah, I need this that, thing. like just because my body's failed in every measurable consideration <laughs> still there happens to be some consciousness that I have in some way like imagine you know like they're putting you in the thing and you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I knew I knew this would happen <laughs> but I mean what but what if they're putting you in the ground I mean that's gonna make you feel better at least you got a place to be. 
A place to be. That's my, that's the new uh, after school drama I'm going to write. A place to be. Yeah. Deciding what you want to do with your dead body. <laughs> yeah. That's well, pretty good, Brian. Yeah, I like to talk about mortality. But I think that... Um, but it's I think, sort of like trying to throw my books away. Like I just am like, nah, what if I need this? What if I have to read it again? That's what I was going to say. I do think it ties into books and the power of books because at the end of the day, it comes down to like what is tangible and, and what is occupying physical space and moving through space and interpreted in space and you know digital anything just is doesn't have any kind of um i mean do you don't don't you think that objects have some kind of power that we can infuse into them on a metaphysical level surely yeah over time or circumstance or something 100 percent. yeah so to me like and i don't know how that gets accumulated or how items or things get their charge but I like like here's a good example like um, you know we we had this house that we bought four years ago and it was a new build house you know fully new new and, house old ghosts and uh, <laughs> right. no but the thing was is like you know like the house we had lived in before it was like built in the 50s or whatever it had a vibe it felt yeah. like it had energy running through it 100% and then when you get a new house it like when we first got settled in it kind of felt like it was you kind of like energy just kind of felt list like like it was just sort of floating around like there's no sense of anything being grounded or there's no currents mm-hmm. running yeah. it just felt like you're just in space and that's all yeah. it is it felt like it didn't have any vibe does it have vibe now that you've created vibe and this is not done by decor or anything i'm not talking yeah i'm not talking about that stuff but yeah like now i feel like we've put we've lived there and you know, I've had whatever, probably at least 900 dreams that I don't understand there yeah, or whatever the things are that have happened over time, mm-hmm. you know, um, to where now I, yeah. Like, especially I noticed that when we go out of town and come back, ah, yeah. Like, sense like, ah. we, like it feels like home it, again. It feels like home and it feels like it has energy running through it. And I feel like that either living in something or handling something or experiencing something does, translate some sort of energy or there's mm-hmm. some exchange there or i mean i guess there's probably maybe there's some science behind that i don't know i mean everything has polarity or everything has charge or everything has molecular makeup on some level mm-hmm. um you know oh like here's another example i did an experiment on plants once when i was in eighth grade and i did bean plants with the same amount of soil and everything in the window or whatever same light one plant I yelled at, one plant I didn't say anything to, and then one plant really I talked really nice to. Like separated, the, I would separate them out, yell at one, and bring it back. Right, the control I just left, and then the the other one I would take it somewhere else and say really nice things to it, and bring it back. And they grew according to, with all the other things being consistent with their water and sunlight and everything else. The one I yelled at didn't grow as tall. The control was right in the middle, and the one I talked nice to grew taller. Wow. So I know that books are not plants in terms of like organic life and that way they used to be plants. But yeah, <laughs> but it's the afterlife of a but plant. St- but still, like that stuff is there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just ran myself full circle. Maybe there's plants being like, oh my God, I can't believe I opted to be a book. That was the dumbest idea ever. I still have my consciousness. Right. Yeah. And cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So what is the... 
what is your favorite thing about doing what you do and what is your least favorite thing about doing what you do and where are you what is the next thing you're going to do that's different than what you're doing now well uh no pressure david <laughs> i think my least favorite feeling is realizing that someone's not on board with what i want to do yeah with the book yeah um best is the the reverse of that and then uh mix i'm excited about uh i've been working on my own book with my own art for a while oh yeah um that might be one thing i'm about to start work on um a short run of like unique books with a friend austin uh revis we're gonna make like five or ten really weird books and i think that might clean up some of that uh emotional baggage (laughs) yeah uh, negative feelings i've had about books in the past oh cool yeah yeah you gotta like um it sounds like yeah when you're when you're producing something in accordance or in congruence with someone else or whatever it's frustrating like you know uh you're like a record producer and then you're working with artists in a way or something right and then you're trying to have this aligned vision and then you get to the point where it's like i just want to make my solo album and then do some stuff that's kind of tangential it sounds like that's kind of what you're saying like you just like i kind of want to say my own things and do my own thing for a minute also yeah i think that's been my main frustration for a few months but but the cool thing is i'm sure that all these other people you've worked with have put you through a lot of exercises and challenges technically and otherwise creatively to where you going back into just doing something of and for your own vision and your own self you're you're probably going back into it with some stuff that you did some tools or some absolutely yeah i think i've uh, indirectly uh, absorbed a lot like i've been very closely working with other practices other the way other people work and interpret um the way they work and i think i think what i'm going to be the work i make after all this it's it's going to have changed me and uh i'm grateful for that yeah um i feel like i it wasn't like all bad like (laughs) the 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 books i've made um it was a lot of really great things 100 percent yeah yeah can you talk about what you guys are doing uh we're just gonna make a make make a weird little book yeah (laughs) we're still working on it'll be something with my my pikes project street photography project when we're we've got actually we've got a couple of different uh a couple of different ones involved right now that we're that we're sort of working on and sort of thinking about like kind of more of like a central book i guess in a way is that that Mm -hmm. that's sort of more like you know, if we made like the great book of the Pikes, what would that be like? And that's ah, sort of yeah. the guidelines for how we might make the smaller ones, and they might happen first. I don't know. That's a great, great idea. We got because I've got some photos of like specific things, like the like when um, there was uh, Elvis's manager, uh, what's Colonel Parker is his name. He had a uh, he had an office in East Nashville, right on Gallatin Pike, just up from my house. And um, uh, when they they were gonna knock that building down, I, I, I don't know if I can if I'm telling this right. Somebody from Johnny Cash's family 
came and and basically dismantled the office building, right? The, the actual office, right? Which was like a paneled office, right? Um, and uh, took it all apart and, and hauled it away. Uh, evidently, maybe it would be shown at some Johnny Cash family. Was this Marty place Stewart, or possibly, or somebody? No, it was. It was uh. a cash. It was definitely oh, okay. a cash. Um, and so, uh, um, but while that was going on, people from all over the world who were in Nashville at that time were stopping by there and taking photographs and seeing the place. Oh. And, uh, and they had actually, somebody had hung all these flags from all over the world on it and stuff. It was a really weird scene. And there were still all these photographs of Elvis and posters of Elvis and stuff up there. So in this building that was like literally half exposed to the elements, it was just like out there while they were, te- te- you know, sort of dismantling it. Um, so I stopped by there one day and took like about a dozen photographs and like that, that's something that could possibly be like just a small book project in and of itself yeah. where it would just be these weird shots of this dismantled office where Elvis's manager used to be that used that was right on Gallatin Pike. Yeah. So that we've got, we've got weird tangential ideas like that. And then also more of a bigger book that we're right now talking about, like sort of di- almost like, uh, designing it along the lines of like a, like a more like an atlas or a book of maps or something like that, that would be like color coded and there'd be like overlays and all sorts of things along with photos and poetry. So that's, that's about as far as we've gotten. God, I'm such a map junkie. (laughs) Yeah. People long for that. People like to have a different. David made a really cool drawing of like sort of, of like the, the, the various pikes like radiating out across Nashville, but it's just a black and white drawing. And so it's just as this like weird abstract that you, if you, if you didn't know what like you were looking at. Like a fucked up bicycle wheel looking yeah, thing. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And if you didn't know what you were looking at, you would, you would have no clue. But it's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, iconic in a way. I kind of like it. So cool. good feedback for David. <laughs> I love for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's important. And it's like, well, it's like Brian said a minute ago, too. I feel the same way about, you know, so much of the, the collaborating I've done has been like in the music world. And I feel like when it comes to music, it's like if you, if you get the right people then you can have the confidence to just let them do their thing. And I know that you're the right guy to make a book with, so I'm, I'm happy for you to, you know, sort of lead the way and, like, well, let's, let's have fun figuring out what this thing is. So thank you for your hard work, David. Thank you. <laughs> where, where can people find you, uh, social speaking and all that stuff? Uh, on Instagram, extended.play and uh, website extendedplaypress.com extendedplaypress.com go buy a book y'all yeah and extendedplaypress.com I really recommend going there because you have a really it's it's a great website in terms of just being able to really get a sense of each project the, the photography and everything The uh, you really can get a sense of what everything is it's not like we're gonna hide this book from you and you can't you know it's you really yeah. show a lot of it and I really appreciate that where it uh, there's a lot of projects there too for people to check out. So a bunch of super cool stuff, and and much of it really quite affordable. And like you know, if you have uh, uh, you know some occasion coming up where one of your artsy friends is having a birthday or something like that, I would highly recommend like go to Extended Play and buy them a fucking rad ass book. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like it's, it's a great. It sounds cheeky to say like, and it's a great gift. And it's but a it's a but really, really are. it really is excessively man. nice gifts. Yeah, <laughs> people want to do something unique and special for people, you know, and and uh, you know, 
Don't get them what they want. They don't know what they get want. What, what they, they want need. is this. Yeah, this is what they need. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I really appreciate you your, your time, David, and thanks for working as, with us around the, the chaos of this little weather situation. And I wonder if uh, we'll be everything. It's still coming down pretty good. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, Joe, you got anything? Oh, you got you're playing uh, I'm playing a show on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, I, I don't know if this podcast will be out in time, but on Sunday the thirtieth, uh, there's be. a. There's a well, okay. <laughs> Sunday the thirtieth. There's a uh, uh, there's a festival in Centennial Park. There's going to be twelve hours of music from ten a.m. to ten p.m. Um, and it's going to be for a um, sort of a, a stop littering campaign that's going by the hashtag See It Snag It. And so uh, so just sort of like taking responsibility for keeping Nashville clean. And uh, my band's going to do a set uh, at about noon. So it's, it's a little hard to tell when you've got that many bands playing over that long a time. But yeah. I've been assured that I'm going to be right around that noon to noon 25 slot. Sweet. So. Yeah. And then I've got various things going on. But I, I have a show coming up in July that I'll tell everybody about soon. Um and then I got some other things going on, but nothing that I really care to get into right now. Which is that your artist in residence thing in July? Ah, uh, no, that'll be in August. Okay, early August. Uh, no, this is just like an actual, just a music show. Oh, cool. Uh, but anyhow, uh, D- David, really, thanks again, man. I love your work, Thank and you. thanks for taking the time to stop by. Um, and we'll do it again. All right, peace, everybody. Appreciate it. Later. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone